0: In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to the Talk About It Outdoors boys and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy, the Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does. He exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed Seed, located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that will make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. If you're in need of a processor this year, after you've made that great harvest on that giant buck you've been chasing, give North Georgia Deer Processing a call. Located at 1610 Arnold Spence Road in Ball Ground, Georgia, Tyler and his family are building something better than we could have ever dreamed to see them do, and we sure are proud to have them as a partner of ours. Give him a call at 770-883-9786 to take care of all your
1: deer processing needs. You ever been riding down the road, seeing a piece of property that you couldn't live without, or maybe just wanted to sell your own land? Give our boy Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties a call. 770-296-2163, day or night, or check him out on Facebook.
0: Are you in need of forestry, mulching, tree services, hauling, grading, and excavation in the southeast? We'll give our buddy Logan Severa a call with LRS Land Services. You can head over to Facebook, Instagram, and check out his work, or give him a call at 404-889-1105. Stop putting off clearing that back for you, and give our boy a call. Ready, Nick? Let's do it. all right everybody talk about it outdoors live from the cruiser saddle studio once again we've got our old friend travis t-bone turner coming back to tell us all about what's new in his life and what 2022 deer season's got in store for him we're going to talk tips tactics and tricks of the trade that old t-bones put in place y'all pull up a chair and sit a while this is going to be a good one Nicholas Wilson, 2022 is really in swing now. After that trip up to the Midwest this past weekend, Cody and I were uh, well. We were lucky enough to get to go up on an early season hunt for Illinois, and well, it wasn't without fault, and it wasn't without a few a uh, few failures on uh, one of our parts, and we we might talk about that a little bit. I don't know. That's up to you.
1: But oh, it's we're good definitely going to be, gonna, back we're definitely gonna be bringing that up later. But yes, I am jealous. You guys went without me, so. Well, i'll you, forgive you you could have went what was it you just
0: texted me it sure is lucky to uh to be going i said what well, sure was lucky when you was in south dakota no, I said, "It must be nice
1: <laughs> ain't that the famous quote yeah it must be yeah. nice must be nice
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we went up and we spent a good weekend there didn't have any luck i missed a doe we'll go ahead and get that out of the way you, you if you're gonna range a deer you better range uh, the spots you're gonna shoot after daylight but because before daylight even though that's illuminated and you can see it you don't know what you're ranging. So. Hey, it's your fish. You tell how sight, how big it was, son. <laughs> it was a big old doe. And that's a good thing about video. And there's no, there's no hiding it. And I guess I could have never said anything about it or anything. But what's the fun in that? It gets me something to laugh about.
1: Just good thing. It wasn't no big papa coming walking down that trail. <laughs> I text
0: Cody. I said, you can't be good all the time. And he said, no, you didn't. And I sent him the video. And he's like, ah, oh, there we go. But anyway um travis thanks for doing this again we appreciate it the last episode we did with you was gosh it was probably close to to 50 episodes ago we're up into one 141 142 now on our episode count and it's been a great time and, and we've uh we've followed along with you and and really got to spend a lot of time seeing you on social media and everything so thanks again for coming back and being with us
3: oh absolutely all my pleasure guys i um I always enjoyed keeping up with you guys. Y'all do a fantastic job. And I commented before we got on the air, look how nice that set looks, man. That is jam up right there. I'm jealous. I'm not sitting there with you.
0: Well, we, we, we wish we was. And, and hopefully in the future, we can get you up maybe next year for the bow shoot or something. You could come up and spend some time with us or whatever. But we've, uh, we've definitely been blessed since we've talked to you last. And, uh, there's, uh, there's been a lot of things changed for us and a lot of things changed for you yourself and, um let's go right into to the topic of discussion 2022 deer season have you even been out yet
3: i haven't actually hunted yet now don't get me wrong we've been working like crazy uh getting things prepared like it's a little different this year like my whole properties that i have here in georgia you know have all like uh, a lot of ladder stands as well as elevated blinds and of course um you know i'm with one leg now and i I thought i would have had a prosthetic leg by now but that's been a hurdle with some insurance issues on uh, getting the insurance to pay for it, as well as I had to get a new socket fitted. So I just did that two weeks ago. I'm waiting on the new prosthetic to be built, which should be, I don't know, uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And then I got a rehab on that. But anyway, we're to answer your question. We're trying to get things set up in ground blinds, but we've got you know three or four spots set up and got them all baited up, and the cameras are ready. Actually, we're going out tomorrow night. We looked at the uh you know, the weather and everything with this front coming through, I'm hoping we're going to get some rain right to this evening. It's supposed to rain this evening right? right now. So I hope we get some rain on our plots and we planted all last week. We waited. It's the latest I've ever planted food plots. Usually I do it the last week of September, first week of October, but with no rain, I said, it's just going to be a waste. I'm going to wait till we get a rain then plan after it. And then of course, I don't know, a week and a half ago, we got two inches of rain on a Thursday. So I said, man, that'd be good. So I, I let that Kind of dry up a day or two and then we planted all of our plots so uh we're ready we're going tomorrow night so uh I'm, I'm fired up it's I only got the I hadn't killed a deer since October 17th last year and that was the only deer I killed all last year because of all that I was going through so uh I've got a lot of um uh, hunting frustration built up inside of me so um, <laughs> it's I've gonna be bad of, on a nanny though if she comes oh by <laughs> I, I'm here to tell you I um we've been shooting so much I probably shot more this year than I have in the last couple of years and uh so i'm i feel like i'm dialed in and you know I'm, i may miss the first one that comes out but i can tell you right now that that uh i'd love to shoot one of my target bucks but i, I think a, a big old nanny's gonna be in trouble tomorrow evening
0: <laughs> did you did now you've shot sitting down for an extended period of time for a lot of years you've shot out of blinds and things did yeah. you did you have to change a lot now that you're you're shooting from a, a wheelchair i assume is what you're in now yeah. most of the time
3: yeah, I, and I can transfer. Like I can get the wheelchair close to the blind, and and I got me an off-road wheelchair. Actually, it it won't be ready tomorrow, but it's a six-wheel drive. It's called an Outlander six by six. Oh, wow! You know, so many people. Have, uh, you know, you've heard of the the track chairs, mm-hmm. and and those are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, I've still got quite a bit of upper body strength and stuff, so I didn't really need that per se. But uh, my regular wheelchair, there ain't no way it don't even go in one inch of sand. So with that outbounder, it's a six wheel drive. Actually, I I was a fan of it before I even met the owner. And I met the owner like four or five years ago at a banquet, you know, uh, when I wasn't in need of one. And then, uh, you know, when he heard what was going through, he reached out to me and, you know, told me, I said, well, I just, you know, let me see what goes on. Hopefully get a prosthetic leg. But anyway, I bought one from him. And it's the reason I went this route rather than the track chair is because the footprint of this thing is really just a little bit bigger than the regular wheelchair I got but it's like an Argo, all six wheels spin. And uh, yeah, it goes, uh, I'm not saying it goes as many places that track chair, but it'll be dang close to it. And then I can still, uh, you know, it's not so um, big and bulky. And, you know, when you're hunting from a ground blind, you kind of need to be low so you can shoot out of them windows. So uh, them track chairs lift you up pretty high. So I I, I decided that outbounder was going to be it. So we're customizing a little bit, putting a little different armrests on there, and a little a little rack to tote your stuff in and out of there. So we're we're t bone t bonizing it or bonifying it, I guess. You
2: could say. <laughs> <you
0: go>. Redneckification.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that'll be an option as well. So I hope to go to Kansas. Uh, you know, at the end of November. So looking forward to that. But it's going to be a different year. I'm I probably I, I think I'll probably just do Kansas, maybe Oklahoma or Texas if things go well in Kansas. But it's it's not about the hunting and it's not about the shooting. It's more about the, you know, just the daily mobility issues of, you know, having to navigate through handicap, uh, you know, restrooms and hotels and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a little scary once you get away from your comfort zone of home. So once I get my, you know, feeling and confidence back about that, I'll travel more, but this will be a, it'll be an off year, but we're going to, we're going to, we're gonna to try to do a lot right here in Georgia so that we stay relevant. Let's just say that fill a freezer here in Georgia.
0: <laughs> Have you got one a target buck on camera here at home?
3: Yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple actually. I got two pieces of property and I've got um, nothing that's nothing like unbelievably freaking huge, I, so to speak. But they're good mature bucks, and then I got one six pointer that uh, I, I call him a six pointer. He's enough to be legal. He's got some barnacles down there at the bottom so that he's legal, but. I mean, honestly, I, I swear I look for every trail cam picture and look for a cane in there. He's so old, man. He, need, you know, he's one of them deer that just bullies all the other deer. So uh, I, I, I'm, I've kind of got him as my number one hit lister. So I'd love to t- put
1: my tag on him. So uh, just a big old nasty six pointer. T-Bone, when you was going through all this stuff with your leg and all that stuff, did you realize the impact that the community would get together? I shouldn't, maybe, I shouldn't even say community, I'd say the, the country basically and get behind you and stand behind you on this because I think the first time I really heard about it, we were getting close to going up, I think, to NWTF, mm-hmm. and when we were up at Nashville, I believe they came on the intercom that morning before the show started and said a prayer, and they and they mentioned your name, like, you know, keep you in in the prayer list, and then all it just kind of started blowing up from there. Did you realize how many people were behind you on this, praying for you?
3: Well... Well, I, I mean, uh, you know, when we announced it, like just before I got my amputation, which was the first part of February, um, not, not. I mean, I expected some, but nothing like nothing like what there was, man. It's just it's super duper humbling to know that that many people feel, you know, that way about you and or behind you and rallying behind you and stuff. So, no, it was over. It was it was really overwhelming. I mean, it was. Um, so appreciative, and you know, the feeling's mutual for everybody out there. I can't thank everybody enough. I mean, we do a lot of podcasts and we talk to a lot of people e- even since then. And you know, I like to reiterate that so that anybody listening, if I miss anybody out, you know, by all means, I, I can't show my appreciation. Uh, and and I, you know, my whole family and everything, just I appreciate them so much. So, uh, yeah, that, that it just goes to show you that it's not the reality check you want to go through, but it sure is nice to know once you go through something like that, that it feels like you've paved a pretty decent way throughout your career and your life to hopefully have touched people so that they give back to you like they have given back to me. So it makes me, you know, I think my mom would be proud. She, she died of cancer, but you know, we all, we go through life and it's like, man, you know what, if I can just make mom and dad proud, I, I've done pretty good. So I, uh, hopefully i've made them proud and you know and i i appreciate everybody rallying behind and and i i think you know that's just it goes to show what kind of good good folks that are involved in the hunting and country and and uh just the
1: outdoor community and i think one thing i could take away from it for myself is you you've done all these podcasts and the probably the one that touched me the most was the one you've done with your buddy waddell and you know you never like you never blamed anything like it, it wasn't you know, you, you never had your head down about it. You just kept looking forward and you never looked behind you. And I, and that's what I took away from it. That's what I, that's what a lot of people need to do in this country, in this world. And so do I at times, you know, when I get mad at somebody and things could be a lot worse for all of us.
3: Yeah. No matter how bad any of us got it. And, and it's inevitable, you know, you guys are young, but you know, you, you, you got to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Cause uh, honestly, something bad or, you know, tragic like that's gonna happen to every one of us at some point, whether it's a family member, whether it's yourself, you're gonna have to deal with that and you you might as well have the right mindset to to know that, man, you don't know how you can't just beat yourself up about it. It's okay to have a poked out lip about it. But at the end of the day, I don't care what you're going through, no matter how bad you think you've got it, somebody's got it worse. So uh, you know, try to be an example and 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 uh make sure that uh, you know, you don't drag other people down because you know it'd be real easy for me to, for or for anybody to go through something like that to say woe is me and cry and complain and moan and, and of course you're going to do that occasionally, but but nobody wants to be around somebody like that. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's nobody's fault. You know, so just got to move on. You know, make the best of it.
1: That's exactly like, right.
3: Like I said in that podcast with Wadell, you know, I'm I mean and I firmly believe that. I've always felt that way, but even more so now. Like if I don't kill another cockroach, I promise you, boys, I have (laughs) way outlived my dreams. I mean, when I was 20 something year old shooting arrows and, you know, all I wanted to do was kill a eight point buck or a 10 point buck in the state of Georgia. And I would have been happy. And I can I can assure you through this whole journey, I have uh, not taken it for granted. And and I am humbly appreciative. And like I said, if I don't kill another cockroach, I have outlived my dreams. I promise you.
0: well it's time to time to start filling the freezer for you and getting in the getting back in the woods and getting back in the groove of things and and i can only yeah. imagine that the the moment you get back in the woods after you've went through all this stuff over the last year it's probably going to be a, a pretty emotional event for you in, in, in whether you see a deer or not
3: yeah oh it, it is i mean even just planting food plots and you know i can poot around on the side by side or the four, four-wheeler i jump on it and get around and and you take appreciation for a leaf falling. You take appreciation for the colors on the trees and being able to live through another fall. And it, uh, you know, no matter how humble or or great and open minded you are, or you go through something like this and it makes everything. It sensitizes those those things that we could take for granted in our busy lifestyles and stuff. So, no, trust me, my sense of my, my senses are at an all time high in appreciation for the little things because. Guys, I mean, you know, like they always say, the only thing that's, you know, certain in life is is death and taxes. And that's for sure. Right. And, and and that's for sure. When death is final, that's it. So, you know, when you know, you know, it's coming. We don't know when it's coming, but we know that it's coming quicker once you get over 50. So you better enjoy each and every day. So. So.
0: You do a a YouTube or excuse me, an Instagram series where you offer tips and tactics and tricks and all sorts of things that that people can take and run with. And as we've watched those videos, we've shared some of the stuff out there and we've had people reach out. And one of the things that we took note of as of late that really spawned a lot of interest, Cody had reposted it, was where you had taken a file and kind of cut that felt down on, on a QAD rest a little bit. Uh-huh. And we kind of wanted to get some of those tips and things from you tonight that you yeah. may share with us that we could give, you know, our listeners a little bit of advice on.
3: Yeah. I, I, uh, whenever I do them, I, I like almost, almost feel silly about doing them cause they're just little, they're little silly things. And, and, and I apologize to anybody that follows me on social media. I'm sorry that things aren't more structured and buttoned up. It's just kind of a crosses my mind and, thought, well, I'll just, you know, share this and put it out there and somebody may get something out of it. And somebody may think, well, you know, T-bones done lost his mind. It's, <laughs> but, but I don't know, just, you know, that's all I've done for the last 35 years is just work on bows. And I, I guess I just assume that they're trivial and they're not that big a deal, but I, I, the feedback I get, it's like, man, everybody's like, wow, that's pretty, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I assume that a lot of people know those kind of things. So I've just been putting them out there, but um, yeah, the the you know, and it's funny that 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 kind of caught on about the, the the file on there just to to rough up that mat that's on your your felt there to make it quiet. But you know, all these little things. I, I like to compare archery, hunting, and bow hunting to, um, you know, like you're splitting hairs. You know, like absolutely, you can go out there with a recurve and kill a deer with a recurve. It can be done. But you know, if you upgrade to a compound, you get a little better sight, and you get a better rest, and you choose to hone in your arrows and this could be translated over into your gun you know if you get a little better optics on it you you mount it a little different you make sure that these things are all done every time you do that you're splitting hair and you're taking and you may think that you're hitting good enough at 40 yards like a softball that's good enough but you know you do a few little things and work on yourself and all of a sudden that gets down to a, a a golf ball size group or a tennis ball and and i don't care whether you're gun hunting muzzle loader Accuracy is always going to win, you know, because we as humans are going to flub up. But if you've got accuracy on your sides, that accuracy and forgiveness may make up for our flaws as a human. So, uh, you know, that's a slogan I always like to, to say is accuracy always wins. And, you know, I, you never want to settle for good, you know, that's good enough. I mean, like, bye, I can hit a pie plate. That's good enough to kill a deer. <laughs> Hopefully, you yeah. just try to put a little more odds in your favor is also well. with all these tips and stuff. I mean, I used the word on that post I did last night, anal, I guess I probably a poor choice of words. I should have said picky. I have said picky instead. Of anal, but, but I don't know. I guess in, in, in archery, I guess I have been a little on the picky side and, you know, OCD and just trying to make things better because I, you know, no matter how good you shoot, no matter how long you've been doing this, no matter how much you tune, you can always get better. I mean, there's always room for improvement. So, and, and I've always tried to do that with archery. So, um, What's yeah, I mean? If you got, what's one of those things
0: that that you a piece of advice? Like, a, let's say a, a gentleman's shooting a pop plate. I'm shooting a pop plate at 40 yards. I'm thinking, man, I'm I'm doing great, and I'm hitting that. What's something yeah. that a guy could do to tighten down his group, or or a few things that you would take into account to tighten up that group at 40 yards instead of a well, pop plate?
3: Well, one thing that I think would help a lot of people is um is they spend a lot of times. You know, and through through the world we know it as is, is convenient. Meaning, like you would spend if you you know a lot of people spend, let's just say, a couple hours in one day, running through YouTube, looking through social media, trying to find something to make them better, and or looking at products to buy to make them better. Whereas more people they would love to spend two hundred dollars to make them better rather than spending thirty minutes out there shooting. And, and building on good form and good muscle memory. So, and that, that's free. That's the only thing that costs you is your time. So I would encourage people to, you know, I'm not going to say just go shoot 60 to hundred hours a day, because if you're doing the wrong things, 60 to hundred hours a day is going to, is going to ingrain bad form and it's going to make you shoot worse. It's going to be bad habits. However, if you go out there and, pour your heart and soul into some good form, some good shot execution and build good muscle memory on 10, 15, 20 shots every day. That investment is going to have better returns for you rather than spending $300 on a new site. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, good equipment does help, but at the end of the day, you can, you know, like once you've achieved a decent tune on your bow and once you've achieved you know, the the rest is working properly and you've got a decent release and you're, you're, you've got good execution, you could aim with a toothpick glued to the side of your bow. You don't even have to have no stabilizers. And we've proven that with shoot machines. You can take the bow and put it in a shoot machine on an arrow that is flying down there where you can just about read the whole side of it as it's going down through there. And it'll hit the same dot every time in a shoot machine. But when you pr- you present the human factor in there, then it—that's when it misses. So it, it's proof positive that you don't have to have all these things. However, your muscle memory and you being machine-like, coupled with all these nice things to tune with and such, are certainly uh, going to make you more accurate. So you'll—you'll—you'll you'll, you'll gain more accuracy and muscle memory by working on yourself. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing—I uh, mean, I, to answer your question, kind of like you know, it's more than just one thing, but. You know, first and foremost, it's almost like stepping stones. Make sure that your draw length is correct. You know, if you're dealing with a reputable pro shop, as I highly recommend, you know, someone that's got a trained eye or you know, professional eye to watch you. Make sure that you got your your the draw weight is uh, as much as you can pull comfortably, not too much to where it's uncomfortable. Make sure you got your right draw length. You build a good foundation as far as anchor point. Another thing I see something people doing is when they anchor is you want to just gingerly, lightly touch, you know, like build it off of your hand and then like lightly touch the corner of your mouth, lightly touch the tip of your nose, and then you peep. I see a lot of people digging in real hard because mentally you think like, man, if I'm digging in and got a real good hard anchor, I'm going to shoot real good because I got a good positive solid like in the side of my face. (laughs) My jaw is wrapped all around that string. You think you're doing good, but actual facial pressure, is a bad thing because like if i'm shooting a bow at you guys and i got that string here digging into the side of my face and you're pushing this way you know you're pushing this way with your with your string well as you're pushing this way as soon as you cut that arrow loose that string does this i'm magnifying it but it goes it goes out like this and then it comes back like this and then it comes back so the string at full draw has no tension on it because you're only holding like 10 pounds hmm so you can reach up and grab a guy's string and just about tie it in a knot while he's at full draw. But you think that it's under a lot of pressure. But when you come to full draw and you feel the let off, you know, occur, the string has no tension on it at all. So it's real susceptible to facial pressure and facial pressure causes bad lefts and rights. It causes to where you can't tune the, tune the arrow. The arrow is not getting the same tension each time. So you won't hit the same spot. So that's facial pressure draw length and draw weight those are some key things and you know t- to try to make you more machine like that's really key that's a that's a great great tip right there
1: it is and and can you kind of dumb down this for for myself too and some maybe some listeners maybe put it in red redneck terms because the the sites have came now where they have access like a third angle point can you mm-hmm. put that in like redneck terms for for myself and other people
3: yeah so um so, you know, sites have levels on the bow. But if, if if you've got one of the higher end sites that offer the third axis capabilities, not all sites have the third axis capabilities. So if you've got a site, um, you know, any site can be checked for third axis to see if it is giving you the correct reading. And what the level does is the level on a site ensures that you're holding this, the bow the same way. So you do the same thing every time. You know, you can shoot it like this, you know, gangster style if you want to, <laughs> but, if you don't, but if you don't do the same thing every time, you're not going to get the same results. So the level's there to make you more precision-like, but in these sites that have the capabilities of first axis, second axis, third axis, when you have the capabilities of that, if that's not set, that's almost like a, a bubble in a, a carpenter's level being off. You know, it's just going to tell you the wrong reading, so it's going to force you to hold the bow not in the right position. So it's really, really, really important to make sure that you get that that sight, the, the high-end sight that offers that level. Good pro shops have a, a machine, which I've got one in my basement. It is capable of you put it on the machine and then you can level it first axis, second axis, third axis. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Or you can bolt it to your bow and then you take your, your limb pocket on the top and bottom, you check a door frame so you take a, a carpenter square, check your door frame, make sure that the door frame in your house is level, and then you take the bow and put it up against the that that door frame, and then you cross-reference it to the, the site on the bow to make sure that it that is telling you the second axis. First axis uh is is first axis is how it tracks. If it's a moving site, you want to make sure that it tracks up and down. So if it's at 20, when if it's a, if this is your 20 yard pin. When you move it down to eighty yard pins, you want to make sure that twenty and eighty is on the same plane. Because if it's not, it'll twenty will be on, and then eighty will be nine inches or ten inches left or right.
0: Wow, that could be a big problem there for a lot of people. You talk. I like I'm
3: at forty yards. I'm shooting
0: way left. I think that's
1: what's wrong with mine because I kept telling you the other day I have my bow sighted in and it would move left or right. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So you and it drives you crazy because you think you're doing something wrong at forty but your level's not level, it's giving you false reading or it's not tracking correctly. And then second axis is, second axis is this way, level this way. Meaning like, when you hold when you hold the bow, and that, that's what I'm telling you on the, second axis is the most important one to be honest with you because on a fixed pin sight, you don't have to worry about tracking because it's not a moving sight. So first axis is usually always correct on a strictly fixed pin sight. And then your second axis, is level this way. So you got to make sure it's level this way. So that door frame will tell you if the second axis is off. And then that's, that's fine if you're shooting on a football field, third axis comes into play when you're in the tree stand and you're aiming down and or up or like, if you know, it's not that big a deal, 30 yards and in, but um, but, you know, the way we hunt mostly in Georgia, Mm -hmm. but uh, out of a tree stand, but if you was going out West and was going to take a 50 yard shot uphill, or a 60-yard shot at a goat downhill, that's huge. I mean, because it's going to actually show you way off left and right. So the third axis, the way – you know, I told you second axis is this way. Third axis is to you and away from you. It measures this way because all levels are 360 degrees correct. So – you level the site with the machine off the bow. And that means that that device, now once you've got it correct, first axis, second axis, third axis, no matter what I bolt it to, it tells me what true level is. No matter how I point it up, down, anyway, it tells me what true level is. Because you can count on it based off of what you did with the machine. The machine, you bolt it to it, you level it first axis, then you level it second axis, and then you level it third axis by pointing it up and then check the level this way and then pointing it down and then set the level that way, so it's real important that that that's correct. I
0: guarantee the you, thing. there's most bows out there that have those sights strapped on them are not right. Mine's I, not I, right. I, I, I can tell you right
1: now, I ain't never done none of that with these
3: sites
0: Because <laughs> like I just I, I, can, I
1: just bought I my site offline and just screwed it on there.
3: Yeah, I can promise you that. I mean, you may get one that's lucky from the factory that's on. However, I can assure you that probably if you don't have that done, I'd say. 75% of them are off or giving you wrong readings. You're not using, you're not getting the most out of that high-end site. You paid $300 for this site. You're not getting the most out of it. Wow. Now, you know, if you, if you buy it, like I'm, I'm guilty of this. I, m- the site on my bow is 49.99, man. I am, <laughs> <laughs> I am my, I, I'm, I'm not that, not that I don't appreciate the high-end sites. I really do. But I mean, I guess I grew up with the simplicity I Meaning and I have no micro drive left or right, no micro drive up and down. Because some of those sites, whenever you put that threaded rod in there to micro adjust it up and down, they vibrate and make noise. And I can't I to me a quiet bow, I mean, that is my you know, tuning it and accuracy is one thing, but the next thing is quiet. I want it to be whisper quiet. I don't want to alert the deer. I want I want it to be like stealthy as I'll get it. I want my bow to sound like it's shooting hundred and fifty foot a second, even though it's zipping two eighty. I mean, I want it to be just thud, no vibration, no doing in, no none of that. So the simplicity of a sight, meaning like once I get it, it's got it's got a dovetail left and right, and a dovetail gain adjustment up and down. Once I get the gap set, I mean, I, you really don't touch it again unless you change the speed of your bow. So uh, I, I mean, I, I just like that simplicity. So, and I know that it is I don't have to worry about you know. 80 different screws on a site coming loose and something going crazy. It's real simple and real solid. So mine don't even have third access, but I do check it. I I put it on the the site because everything's squared and machined as a site company and you know, everything's squared. Mine is, mine is third access capable. It's just, if it was off, I have no way of adjusting it. Gotcha. But I do get to check it. I can check it and tell that it's, you know uh second axis and third axis is correct and you know that's just another feather in my cap knowing that it is that way but uh, I, I have no way of adjusting it because my my sight is very very basic
1: i'm gonna ask a question real quick because this this probably don't go for a lot of people shooting but it does at my house sometimes sometimes i shoot from different points in my yard i don't i have a flat spot that i can shoot from that i do suck my bow in at but sometimes i shoot in my backyard so i may be standing on a slope a downhill slope or a uphill slope and shooting different. Will that, will that really throw you off as far as yeah. sighting in a bow?
3: Yeah. Um, whichever, whichever way your, your toes are going is where you'll shoot. You'll shoot out right or left. Meaning like if, if you're on the side of a hill and your toes are going down, you know, you're going to shoot as a right-handed archer, you'll shoot out to the right. And if you're standing where your toes are high, you know, and your heels are low, you'll shoot out to the left. Another way to do that, it, you know, way a lot of people correct that is like don't hold me to this guys, but like for every ten mile an hour of wind, you're supposed to go into your bubble a half a bubble. Meaning like if you got a crosswind of ten mile an hour and you're shooting into the wind, you know, rather than saying, okay, I'm gonna hold eight inches to the right, you take your top limb and tilt it into the wind to where you're a half a bubble. So if you got two marks, let the bubble bubble split one of the marks. Put the top limb into the wind, and and it'll correct for the ten mile an hour of wind, or help you out a lot. Let's put it that way, because you know you know how it is in the Midwest. You guys hunt up there, you can have some very breezy days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there's, there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to shoot a deer beyond thirty yards. But at least this way, you can still concentrate Good. on where you want to hit. And and uh, you know, going back to your your question, Alex, about or your point about. One thing I would tell people with so many people, I'm sure when they aim, you know, you can't you can't look at two things at one time. You can't you can't focus on but one thing and concentrate on one thing. And at, at the time of the shot, you know, there's a lot of things that you've set up, you know, to squeeze the trigger and, you know, relax your hands. All these things that build up for a good archery shot at a shot at the time of the shot. The one thing that you should be worried about is aiming is like burning a hole where you want to hit. Now, so many people aim incorrectly. In my opinion, just like shotgun shooting and archery shooting is a lot of the same. You stare where you want to hit. You burn a hole in the target. You pick a hair on that deer, and you burn a hole in it and say that's where the air is going to hit. Now, what that means is is, is your, your pin, like if you're aiming at my face, that pin's gonna be doing this. It's gonna be moving. There's nobody that holds the bow still. Nobody. I don't care how strong you are or anything. But so many people aim by aiming at the pin. They focus on the pin. And and then that pin will start moving even more. And if you chase that pin, that builds up tension in your muscles. And then at the time of the shot, you're going to have perky jerks. Yeah. So the best thing to do is to relax, get the pin where it needs to be close. Like you're aiming at my nose, you get it at my nose and you just, you just relax and then stare at my nose. And that pins what we're going to, this is called humming. So when the pins just humming back and forth, just keep staring at my nose and then just let the shot happen. That way there will be no major flubs out this, you know, doing like this. It'll just be, you're gonna hum and say that's where it's gonna hit. It's gonna bust him right in the nose. It's gonna bust him right in the nose. And then the shot just happens. Just let it float. And then you'll never have no major misses. There'll be some tiny misses, but but it won't be no major miss. And stare at the spot and it makes you makes everything hone in right there rather than following the pin, because if you follow the pin, you're gonna be like, Oh God, I'm on his ear. I gotta bring it back. Oh God, I'm on his ear. I gotta bring it back. You start chasing that pin and then the shot just deteriorates and you go to you go to nut city there. So the best thing to do is just focus, focus on the dot and you know, get the pin there first. And then okay, now we're down to we're we're gonna shoot within seven seconds. And then you just stare at that dot and then just let the shot happen. It'll uh- it'll it'll increase your accuracy. For everybody that can't
0: see this, we didn't, we didn't record this one tonight. I wish we would I have because
3: I, you could have just
0: stared into the eyes of Travis T-Bone Turner as we did oh mesmerize in this moment. It was I, I feel a little hypnotized yeah. right now. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but how
2: many of us do that, just have that pen? I know I do when I got it on a deer, and I'm just focusing on that pen. Got to get it on that spot. Got to get it on that spot and not looking past the pen at the deer. I literally just
0: did it Saturday. I remember – I ranged before daylight and got 25 yards, and in my mind, I put a stupid thought in that I have to aim higher than where my 20-yard pin would hit, and I did that falsely thinking that that arrow was going to hit lower because I aimed higher with a single-pin sight, and I shot right over back. She was 18 yards, and of course, she dropped a little bit, but... It, it makes and we we talk about stare at that spot stare at that spot but I, i'm as guilty as anybody of doing that i gotta get that pin steady gotta get that pin steady and then like you said you're floating and you're already leading off that dot and you turn it loose and you're already following through that and so it's throwing it off so amazing yeah. amazing tip there
3: yeah you just want to make sure you're staring at the dot and relax because archery is known as a as a macho sport you know everybody isolates their shoulders and they push and pull and They got their shoulders all tense, whereas ideally, once you get the bow back, you need to really relax. You should just use enough muscles and adjust enough tension to hold the bow back and to hold it up. And then and and then from that moment on, you should relax just like a golf swing. You know, I mean, just like just just fluid, just really you want to suppress your nervous energy and just let the shot happen. Don't try to muscle through it. Don't try to, you know, uh, you know, be the Conan, the barbarian and muscle through it. You're not going to, you can't fight that. You can't fight the jitters on your muscles. You need to relax and have just as little muscle and tendon involvement as possible. And just let the shot happen.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. No, I was just, I was just thinking about that. And he was talking about tips and uh, talking about the string. And I was thinking, I've literally watched guys. I saw guys at the bow shoot, you know, that have it up there and you could see the string making a hard indention in their face, but they're just laying into it, you know, and, And, you know, then it makes you think, dang, am I doing that to some extent, you know, and really, you know, it's minor little things like that that you don't really think of. You
3: know, all all these things together, you know, the splitting hairs, it it really pays off on your accuracy and, you know, your consistency, meaning I can't say that there's not examples of people that really dig into the side of their face. As long as you do the same thing, you could stand upside down and anchor off (laughs) your earlobe if you want to, as long as you can do the same things over and over, but. I can assure you over time, you know, a lot of us have, you know, that, that that are into archery have experimented and it's been documented and coaches have, you know, you you introduce facial pressure and your odds of being consistent really go down a lot. It's really, really hard.
1: T-Bone, since you started doing those tips and tactics on Instagram, what is the most common question that people ask you for a tip? Is there one that stands out that you – people? comment on there about that they want to see you do um
3: i um most of them are like um wanting to try to find a a good pro shop you know they they want to know a recommended pro shop and uh you know i I guess man that's a hard question because i get i get asked so many different things it's hard to just pick one that's something but draw length is a lot draw weight is a lot Another good tip is uh, like if, to check your draw weight. You know, I want like, h- how much is too much? And uh, this is what I always tell people is to sit in a chair where your tops of your thighs are parallel with the ground. And then you take the bow and you lift your feet off the ground. Just just take the pressure off of touching the ground and then try to draw, you know, draw the bow. And if you comfortably draw it, that's a good, good way. But, you know, if you're sitting down and you got to spread your legs or if you're standing up and you're having to you know, aim at a squirrel up in the air and you're walking that thing around, odds are you are pulling too much weight. You know, I'm an, I'm a huge advocate for people to pull as much weight as they possibly can, because there's no way to gain energy and torque and penetration than by poundage, uh, you know, pulling more poundage. Well, draw length, of course, but a lot of it, you can't, you, we can't, um, you can't change our draw length because we're built the way we're built. We're the size we are or arms of the length we are and that's all there is to it but weight you can fluctuate but but i'm a fan of pulling as much weight as you can comfortably keyword comfortably pull because um, uh, you know it's, it's just going it to make the bow more efficient make your arrow and everything uh, more efficient as well so um, i would
0: venture to say most people cannot do what you just said with the draw length that they pull I would say more than likely most people that we we know, I, I, there's guys. Oh, I can pull eighty pounds back. Well, I bet you keep
3: doing it with your feet off the ground. No, <laughs> I, I I can assure you, like fifteen years ago, that was true. Now, a lot of people, I, I see a trend where people are, you know, uh, coming down off the ego trip of I pull eighty pounds, but. When I got into this 30-something years ago, oh, my gosh. I mean, everybody pulled over 100 pounds, and I'm not exaggerating a bit. Yeah. I mean, like, their shoulders blowed out all across this country of 45- to 55-year-old men. Like, what's wrong with your shoulder? Pulling that 115 pounds back in
1: 1989. Yeah. paying for it now. Do you shoot or do you recommend, or is it preference, one eye open or both eyes open? Of course, one eye's got to be open, but
3: yeah, but yeah, if you see from both, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 both eyes closed,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, let um, Jesus take the wheel. Better
2: both uh, eyes closed.
3: No, both eyes open. However, there are exceptions for that, depending on which eye is dominant. Meaning, like, like um, if you're young, you know, I'd say young, meaning under thirty, and you're just getting into archery, and let's just say you're right-handed, your motor skills are are right-handed but your left eye dominant, I would encourage you taking the extra time and cater to your dominant eye. Cater to your dominant eye with your motor skills, meaning like even though you're right-handed, your left eye is dominant. If you plan on being into archery and or team sports and stuff like that like baseball or anything that is hand-eye coordination, you'll do better to learn the motor skills to to go towards your dominant eye. Now if you're 55 years old or 50 years old and you're you're right-handed, your motor skills are that way, then I'd just suggest closing one eye or what I suggest is like having a hat and taking a, a business card and then you tape something to your hat like this to where you leave your both your eyes open. But at the time of aiming, this blocks the left eye from doing the aiming, and it forces the right eye to do it. Because if you close your eye when you're shooting, you're you're distorting your face from your anchor point and it's hard to maintain that every time. But the biggest thing is you're starving your brain of about 35% light transmission. So your target is gonna go dimmer as well as um, you're gonna lose your depth of field. So like, um, you'll see a lot of target archers have a little thing they, you can buy it at archery shops and stuff, but it just flips up like this. And then when they go to shoot, they flip it down like this. So when they're aiming, this eye takes over and it takes this eye out of the equation. But then they don't. They can relax their face, and then they still get the light transmission from all the sides. So uh, cater to your your dominant eye, unless you're old or have an injury, and you're forced to go to your 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 motor skills. Then uh, go to your motor skills. But in any case, um, no matter which eye, if you if you if you're right-handed and right eye dominant, then you don't have to worry about the patch. But if
1: you're trying to reverse it then you know use the patch do you do you find it easier and i f- I find this easier for myself so i'm asking when you're shooting let's say 20 30 yards it, it i don't have a problem shooting with both eyes open but as i get out to 40 50 60 i feel like my left eye because i'm right eye dominant i shoot right-handed i feel like my left eye starts squinting to focus a little bit more do, do you notice that
3: yeah that's okay, okay. that's okay it's, yeah it's just you you know you're closing i have to do that as well but as a whole, you're leaving them open like 90% of the time, or you'll squint just to, just to double check where you're at. But at the, you know, then you'll, okay, okay. I'm, I'm on. Then you can, you can relax your eye and let it be open a little bit. We all have to do that. And, and and it comes into play. Like if you're shooting towards the sun, if you, you know, it depends on the lighting of the target. If you're in the dark and the target's in the light or vice versa, you know, you have to do things, you know, to make sure that you're acquiring the right target. I get that for sure. But, Let's just say, in a perfect environment, you know you should you should try to leave both eyes open a, as much as possible.
1: Gotcha. Well, I know I know I've done this, and I know one of you done it, and I know a guy at my work done it. And I'm going to tell you a funny story about him. But T Bone put this video on there about putting this log out there and putting bait out. I did said, it. I, I
0: done it. And I'll take it well, back and I'm put that well, then, tactic
1: to work. <laughs> this guy at work, he's seen the video and he said, "I've done it at my property," and. Uh, I he said, look at my video, look at my log. That thing wasn't no bigger than the horn of that antler. I said, he said a log, not a limb. <laughs> and I said, that you could the deer was standing straddling it eating on both sides of it. <laughs> now, <laughs> tell everybody what the log thing is because I, I I'll let T Bone tell it.
3: <laughs> well, I, I learned this a long time ago in Texas. Um and and um it wasn't it wasn't because um We did it, we did it this way because years ago when we're filming in Texas. So before, I mean, I've always embraced it. However, Outdoor Channel told us as producers, they said, we don't want you shooting deer over bait. We, you know, do your best to try to, to not shoot over bait, to make sure that you're not shooting on bait. Don't show a big bait pile. Whereas I'm like, it's the way people hunt. Let's embrace it. Y'all know me. If you follow me on there, I'm like, Hey, if you ain't baiting, you wait. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. So, but anyway, we got to adhere to the way they asked for a production rule. So, what we used to do is like we would take a log and run it horizontal this way and have a big log there. And then there'd be one monster pile of corn and stuff right behind it. And them deer would be pounding it. And I mean, the consumer that's watching the shows 10 or 12 years ago, they're not dumb. They're not eating rocks and texas <laughs> all over the ground. We know that. I mean, come on, guys. But then when they come in, we'd notice. They notice the blind, they're looking at the blind or if you're in a stand or whatever, you know, they're looking straight at you because they know it's not right, but they're like, man, I got to get me some corn. I don't care. I'm I'm just going to stare in that blind. And, and we'd sit there for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you know, 50 minutes sometimes waiting for that deer. And then if you've ever hunted Texas, those deer are on another, another level from the skittish standpoint, meaning like you think they're touchy around Georgia, you amplify that because they're about uh, 80 pounds less. And they're about a lot more fidgety. I mean, it's just like they're on crack cocaine. I ain't lying, dude. <laughs> Them deer are weird, but they're facing right at you. And I'm like, man, we got to do something about this. So I said, I'm going to throw the T into play. This is T bones baiting. So I took the log, had it, and then I had a T on the back side of it. And then I pour the corn down this way. So you couldn't see it, but all the corn was against the log that's facing me. So they come in there like this. It was just like they were lining up against the log the camera could see. And I'm like, golly, this is working like a <laughs> champ!" And then, I mean, this is just like a trough. I mean, it's setting them up. I mean, I, honestly, we got a couple of shots where we got two at one time, which was that's pretty wow. slick. Yeah. So when I got back home, you know, naturally, anytime we're in a bait state, whether it be Oklahoma, Kansas, or, or something like that, if needed, if you need it to be that way, then we always line it up. And you can just watch your trail cam pictures. I don't know if you've noticed it. I'm not going to say it does it 100% every time, but I can promise you it increases your odds of having a broadside shot immensely, big time. And, uh, I mean, I, I can show you example and example over and over and over. If I, get, if I get 100 pictures, I can promise you 80 of them are broadside pictures of deer eating at that log
0: it changed over over here i had stuff scattered in a pile and i literally watched that video one night and went in that next day and i said well skinny self's gonna <laughs> out and drag his tree over here so i got a hold to it and i drug a big a good sized log over and laid it down yeah. and that evening when i was hunting and it was just a small doe that came in of course it was middle of the week and i didn't want to shoot a doe but she came in and she looked like wait a minute that log wasn't there yeah. before and she's kind of circled around But she did, she came back the day before I'd, or a couple days before I'd seen her, and she was facing me. She wasn't facing me no more. I was like, boy, that's Top Fin Alley right there.
1: You know know what? People love stuff like that because they want to go out and try it on their own property to see that it works. And just little, I mean, something so small as going out there, kicking up a stump. Now watch out for snakes, of course, still here in Georgia (laughs) because I was very, very curious when I was kicking over that pine log. But, you know, people love that stuff. And I I love that stuff because I want to try it. We're just... We just... Dave killed that deer the other day in that scent. I bought some of that scent. Did you buy some yeah, of that? Yeah, we, we just try stuff because stuff seems to work. Well, and I think that yeah. goes back to what, what
0: Travis said. It didn't cost you nothing. No. it didn't. You didn't have to spend $300 on a fake log, which maybe we come up with the... Uh, talk about it outdoors, T
3: Bone log or something. <laughs> we started selling
0: plastic logs for people to lay down. Somebody yeah. would buy it, T Bone. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. When the Drury started putting those uh you know, scrape trees, I'm like, We cut trees down. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get this. We're cutting trees down so we can make food plots, but then we're gonna take a T post and put a tree back in the food plot. <laughs> yeah. So we got a limb for the deer. But I mean, I'm not I'm not knocking on them. It made perfect sense. Yeah. But but this right here, you don't need, you know, you don't have to have nothing fabricated. I told my brother-in-law about that before I posted that video. I told him to do that because he's got a piece of property over here, and he said, "Man, I'm gonna get me a piece of PVC pipe and paint it all up." And I'm like, "Dude, you don't need to Just get a freaking log. <laughs> <laughs> you don't
2: have to.
3: You don't have to build nothing. Just drag a log. I, mean, I promise you, you can go find a log like that within 50 yards of where you're looking. I promise you, there's a log somewhere."
0: I wonder if you could take, and this is a thought, take you a, let's say, a four-inch piece of, of sewer pipe, cap both ends of it off, and have it where you can fill it up and lay it down, and the corn just comes out the side You don't like need it, now. You it. Just said it. Well, I know you don't need it now. I'm just you thinking from an inventive standpoint oh, 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 here.
3: Let, let, me, let me share this with you. I think Texas is ahead of the game in Ford baiting. So this <laughs> is what they do in Texas. So you know how hogs are prevalent here in Georgia? You know, we're seeing a lot more and more, and mm-hmm. people go out and they bait, and Hogs will gorge themselves. If you put, if you got 50 pounds of corn out there, them hogs are going to come in there and eat every bit of it. So a hog is smart as well. So, what they do in Texas in order to keep the hog there for a long time, so they will go from Sendero, 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 looking down there and see if there's a hog, you know, at 200 yards so they can thin out hogs. They'll take a like an eight or 10 or 12 inch piece of PVC pipe, four to five foot long, fill it full of corn, and they drill just a few holes in it and they, they got it cabled. To a post. They got a post in the ground with about a six foot piece of cable. And them hogs learn to root that piece of PVC pipe. And then just like two kernels will drop out and they'll (laughs) eat them two kernels. And then they'll nudge it around. They'll walk that thing around in a circle, getting just a nugget here and there. And it keeps them entertained and it keeps them there for hours. And they can go from from place to place to place. Or they'll put a camera on there. It will alert them that a hog's on there. They'll drive up there knowing that the hog's still going to be there. Cause he's sitting there rooting around. He's not like he's gorging himself and eating 50 pounds in 10 minutes. It's taking him forever. I mean, he'll spend hours there walking that thing around, getting him a little, a little nugget there here and there. And then they bust him. That's,
1: that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you just think, I mean, think at the, the, um, everybody's doing the rope now for the hint, for the hemp rope. I bet rope oh. sales are through the roof right now. Oh, I
0: guarantee yeah. you who, oh, who dagger. <laughs> I think those guys, that's the name of it. I watched his, uh, tick the other day and he said he had like, I don't know, 750 orders come in in one day which is awesome as a as a you know an entrepreneur
1: i'm glad that he did it but they can't even tie ships up down at the coast now because they can't get no rope (laughs) (laughs) all these deer hunters find all the rope to tie stuff up with
0: do you find and that's something on mock scrapes do you do a lot of mock scrapes around
3: travis at all um certainly in states in in, certainly in states that don't bait uh, absolutely because it's a good way of getting inventory and it's a good way of you know, that's why I think the Drury's did it so much because Missouri as well as Iowa, both you can't bait. So, therefore, they're, they're positioning those deer to where they want them. Meaning, like, I, I, I mean, don't, I'm not comparing myself to no Mark Drury by no means. I mean, that, that, that guy, as far as land management and deer and stuff like that, he's the master. But I think we're on the same wavelength. Me and my buddy Brian, who we uh, he helps with the pr- property management stuff, I think over the years, like, like I feel bad kind of that I haven't been out hunting since season started, but in another way we got to talking, it's like, we're doing something for hunting every month out of the year. And then we've, we've taken this velocity, the, rather than doing like I did, you know, because things have changed 15, 20 years ago, you know, we just go look for some deer crap under an acorn stand, uh, acorn tree and we jack up the tree and hope and wait. And like, we didn't know if it was an eight pointer making that scrape or we didn't know if it was a, a 10 pointer, a spike. We didn't know what was rubbing in trees, but we knew there was good sign here. And with potluck, what comes in, we're going to shoot. It, it's not like, I mean, as we've progressed, it's more like, especially with trail cameras, we are, we, we take the same, we're training those deer to die. Meaning like yeah. between the log, between the baiting, between the, you know, I, I, I don't know if y'all seen last year, I built those little screens. I built a, a four inch, four inch, uh, square of two by fours and then I took hardware cloth and put it on the top small enough hardware cloth to where when we pour corn on the top of it water goes through because you know how we get a rain here mm-hmm. your corn rottens and it just stinks and deer don't hit it as much whereas corn being expensive we want to maximize the length of how long your corn lasts uh when you do pour it out so I built this this not like a trough but just like a place you could throw down I was wondering how the deer would adapt to it so I built this little tray and it's only four inches off the ground got hardware cloth on the top you pour corn on top of it if it gets rained on the water goes through it plus i you know i buy my corn from a co-op over in roanoke alabama and i have it covered in soybean oil so one it cuts down all the dust it works better in the feeders as well as it coats it so it displaces water when water rains on it it's oily in soybean so it's more palatable to the deer but yet it the water don't stick to it so water gets off of corn lasts forever keeps the weevils down there's just so many good things that go along with doing that and it was a game changer man because i like i wouldn't have to i mean naturally pouring on the ground is good but it would make the corn last a lot longer but like all those things that we do you know uh positioning of it uh uh, thinking of the wind you know what it's going to be like wind wise so you're setting your your prevailing wind you're you know all these things that we do food plot wise you're putting a mock scrape, you are putting a, you know, a hanging limb in a certain place to position the deer. And then the, you know, the log thing, all these things are, we're training these deer to die. So rather than high pressure of going in time and time and hunting 20 times in a spot waiting for the deer. And then I've noticed that when you do have high pressure, you force them deer. We all know the Southeast is the king of nocturnal Dracula deer. They're mm-hmm. all at night. We got all these great pictures of great bucks, but who can shoot them at midnight? I mean, they're all in the middle of the night. Walls. So We've got to do stuff. The best thing I know to do to get those deer short of the rut, to get them to come out is the low pressure. Absolutely as little pressure as possible. And then you go in there and you kill him. You try to kill them in one or two sets. Make sure everything is right. And then go in there. Don't just go in there like, man, I want to go hunting. Have some spots to just go hunt because we all get something out of hunting. You know what I mean? It's not just killing. However, if you've got a certain target buck or it's like today's the day I want to kill that big nanny to fill the freezer. I am going in to kill today, boys. Then, my, you know, that one spot you've worked on to make it to be the best it can be with low pressure. Whereas I, I've got a lot of spots I go knowing that I'm probably not going to kill. However, I'm prepared to kill, but I'm going to enjoy the evening. The leaves falling, the wind, The you know, I may see some deer. I may not get a shot. You can still enjoy the outdoors and hunt, but for those times that you want to go in, you got to refrain from just going in, just like, I'm going in, I don't care, I'm going in, because you'll do more harm than good. You know, I had to learn that a long time ago about, like, hunting in the Midwest. Sometimes you just don't hunt in the mornings, because, you. I mean, it's hard not to, because you're like, man, I want to go hunt. I mean, I, the more time I'm in the stand, but honestly, you, you you know, if you can't get in there undetected, you'll screw up way more than you'll help, and those, those deer won't be there ready for you in the evenings especially in a coming to feed type situation
0: i think that's a big thing that we're learning the more and more we go to the midwest and spend time with people that hunt the midwest in relation to people that hunt the southeast us in Georgia, as you said and we're faced with the daunting task don't get me wrong i'm a rifle hunter too but we've got all these months and months of rifle season and and it gets more pressure on deer whereas yeah. the Midwest doesn't have that. So we're, we're putting ourselves in a position where we're to be successful. But the more time I spend in the Midwest, Cody and I are learning more and more from a gentleman that's been gracious enough to kind of mentor us on the way that he hunts. He literally has properties of 10 to 15 acres with four stands on it. He can set that property up for any wind that's there, and he will not hunt the wrong wind because he, yeah. he has no – Qualms about it, he will say, mm-hmm. not going in there because it's just going to blow it out."
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You, it's hard to, too, especially if you're, you know, if you've got a nine to five job, you only get like a one week off. and I mean, I, 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 I get that. I know a lot of people may be listening to what I'm saying. It's like, well, T Bone, everybody ain't got as much time. They only get Saturday to hunt. The wife wants you home Sunday to do some honeydews, and uh, you know, I'm going to hunt, so that's why I make sure that I tell you, like, you know, I'm just saying. If these are the things you'd like to try to do, target mm-hmm. a buck, it could, but by no means am I telling nobody, well, look, if you if that's the only day you got to hunt, don't go hunt because I'm not saying that. Go scratch your itch, man, because something's gonna come by and you can put an error through it. However, you know, if you do have the time and you do, you know, want to like say, I got two weeks off in November and you're gonna make that the best, don't blow that spot up before November gets here. Cause if you pressure it, you know, hunting it three afternoons in the week and then all day Saturday. You know, you're going to force them deer to be more nocturnal, more nocturnal, or going over to your neighbor's property because, you know, me, me as well, we can't own 2,000 acres where we can bounce around. We just got a few little spots we can hunt.
0: Yeah, and I think that's key what you said. People, they hunt when they can, and they yeah. go in and do what they can with the time they're given. And Correct. we've never been advocates to say don't go hunting. Mm-mm. But if you're going to – go back to uh, – say a don higgins don doesn't say don't go hunting just be mindful of where you're going hunting just as you said and if you want to target big mature deer you need to set that goal for yourself and stick to your guns and you you can more than likely be successful doing that
3: yeah and i'm never going to frown on someone who gets something out of hunting meaning like we're a we're a minority as it is, and we need to make sure that we keep people happy about it. Because you know, you, if you follow along with us, we wanna we wanna celebrate hunting. Period. Meaning, like if the guy, you know, if it's legal for him to kill a spike and he wants to kill a spike, man, I'm gonna be right there with him. You know, holding a cold beer up with him and, and toasting with him, and be just as happy. There's no way that I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, rain on his parade by no means. But get out of hunting what makes you happy because everybody's on a little different level between you know what, I really don't want to, you know, kill anything but a trophy buck or, you know, like, Hey, my goal is I'm going to get six does for my freezer for feeding my family this year, or look, I'm squirrel hunting. I could care less about a deer. I'm going to go squirrel hunting. Yeah. You know, look, we're under the same umbrella guys. We need to embrace all of it because things will change, you know, like, you know, I, I'm not the same guy or same hunter as I was when I was in my teenage years or twenties and stuff like that. So we need to embrace it all. And there's, we got to understand that people are on different levels throughout their hunting career or their hunting, you know, endeavor, meaning like you may first time be a hunter at 38 years old. Well, who am I to say that you can't kill a four pointer if it's legal? Yep. That's, right. That's right. My gosh, if that thing trips your trigger and, you know, me, me seeing these guys that are forcing kids to wait and, and not shoot until the buck's like 130 inch 10 pointer wrong. The, I, I wouldn't let him shoot that buck if it stepped out. I mean, like, no, you got to get a few does under your belt first. <laughs>
2: right. That's right. You
0: got to knock down a six pointer or a spike first. Now yeah, that's exactly. Daddy's. <laughs>
3: yeah. let, let's let's climb the ladder, not jump to the top like LeBron James.
1: Yeah. <laughs> T Bone, there's a lot of guys probably going to listen to this podcast that is probably getting ready to travel pretty soon, going to the Midwest or wherever else they may be going. What's some travel tips for for an archer carrying his bow and stuff like that?
3: Um, well, if you're flying. I encourage people to like if whatever case you got. This is this is really big. There's a lot of times I've seen people that don't travel too much. They put their bow in their case and then they put their arrows in there as well because like all my archery manufacturers, as an added value, they put little slits and in you know they have slots for your arrows in there, and it looks good to display at home and and such. But so many times those arrows, especially if they're broadhead tipped. You know they'll vibrate loose. You know if it's if it's wiggling in flight or you know it's stuck in the bottom of an airplane or in a car, those arrows will drop loose and you get a broadhead to a string. That could be a bad problem. So, if you do travel with a bow case and you do do that, make sure that you've got a layer of separation there. Like I always tell them, a big beach towel lay it there so that there's something that protects your bow from getting hit from stuff up above. But I would even highly encourage you to do this: is with your bow. Um, like the bow case that you have, you know, it, it doesn't have to be locked like a, a gun does when you're traveling it. So you don't have to have TSA locks. It, it You know, you can fly with a soft case. I've flown with a soft case before. But if you got a hard case, make sure you take – they're going to charge you for that, that piece of a, a luggage as if it was 50 pounds. Try your best to make it weigh 50 pounds. by stuff and clothes in there. All your clothes around your bow – Just aids in it not having to shift around or, or once you get your bow and your everything in there, stuff it to where it's closer to 50 pounds because you can get a lot of stuff in there and it protects your bow as well. And then, uh, another thing is like when they ask you at the counter, they say, Is this a weapon? Don't say, Yes, it's a weapon. Just say, No, 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 it's archery equipment because most people at the airport are not, you know, they don't speak the lingo. So, you know, anything can be a weapon. You know, I could, I, I could you know, I could use this pen right here as a weapon.
2: Don't wake style. You know,
3: do we so don't say it's not, it's not a weapon because then they go to DEFCON one immediately. It's like, it's a weapon. So then they freak out. So don't say that. Just say, no, it's archery equipment. Tell them what it is. And then you don't have to lock it. And I don't lock mine because, you know, I want them to be able to get in there and look at it if they need to, if TSA needs to go through there. But the number one thing, especially when you're returning like or or going to a certain place, they don't know if you're going or coming, but to keep them from searching is whenever whether it be your regular luggage or whether it be your bow case is to make Make sure you take a pair of underwear and you put a brown stripe <laughs> right in the back of it. Make sure it's right on top where that brown t- that skid mark's shining at them. So as soon as they crack that lid, they're gonna see that skid mark and say, This guy's
0: good. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Todd 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 Mobley or Glenn Higdon had to have told you that,
3: that about doing no, that. No, no. <laughs> yep, but uh
2: Oh no,
1: goodness.
3: <laughs> Yeah, that's if you're flying, but if you're driving the same, you know, same thing, just make sure it's packed because a, you know, a 13 hour trip in the back of a truck in a bow case, you know, if there's two or three of you in the cab of the truck, there's no room to put stuff in there. That stuff's vibrating and loose. And, you know, when you get to where you're going, I encourage you to take an Allen wrench and just check all your bolts, you know, because the side will vibrate loose or, you know, just check and make sure everything's snug because. You know, naturally, you're going to shoot the bow and uh, make sure it's on. that. That's a, that's a given. But just double check all your stuff to make sure it's good and tight because it thirteen hours in a truck is going to do some serious vibrating. I love it. Love it. That's good. I'm good, man. Good tips. Stop it in the best places to, for bathrooms. Is uh Bucky's and Loves for sure. So <laughs> yeah Bucky's for sure,
0: yeah. <laughs> Bucky's since they built that one in Calhoun up here going north, it's the same you'd stop at the same place we would. Those brisket sandwiches in the bathrooms are amazing.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's 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 a shame because about thirty minutes after that brisket, you need that bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they need another right. one. Yeah, they yeah. need
0: another one right up the road. That's right. Oh well Travis, uh we've you know we've come up on an hour here and we we try to keep it around that time frame. Um okay for uh for what we're doing tonight um we did did want to make mention on this episode the kt team um and what they've got going on their deer season's already underway chris king one of our you know fateful listeners lives here right here close to home he was able to go down and take a buck with them this past weekend so congratulations to him and um you know definitely definitely congratulations to all the hunters down
1: there with them for this past weekend um have you got anything else i'm good man i'm ready to um get this episode out because it was it was very helpful yeah oh yeah i I didn't i didn't see it going where it went with the all the tips and tactics
2: no i'm i'm yeah i'm good too we could sit here and talk for hours of of tips and everything i mean just the the simplest one the felt thing i did that with the file because i shoot fmjs and they're notorious for
1: you know drawing Mm -hmm. and
2: i did it and it's just butter now and i was like who would have ever you know i would have been like oh, i'm afraid i'll mess something up you know when it works Wanna.
1: You know,
3: just to, you know, like we all have felt on our rest mostly now, but back in the day before felt, I mean, this is 20 years ago, we used to use heat shrink. I mean, you maybe can you know rest, whether it was a TM hunter or a star hunter, uh, dropaways weren't really a thing back then, but we always put a heat shrink on there. You'd melt it on there and, you know, heat shrinks kind of got a rubbery yeah. plastic thing to it. Had a guy that, um, that used to come in there from, he was, I mean, a diehard hunter boy, he shot every day, Kirby Fiddler. He killed i i he was a he was a good friend shot tournaments and he was a good customer of mine too. He shot fingers, shot with gloves on all the time. I mean, he wore his gloves all the time to shoot with, whether it be 110 outside or whatever. <laughs> he killed a 132-inch six pointer down here in Troop County. That's one thing I remember about him. I mean, that that's that's a wow. legit six pointer yes, That's a man. <laughs> but but to add to the point of quietness, he used to he used to do this. Like he used to take to quiet his rest, he would take you know how after a long, hard day or whatever, we get to sweating, and you get a little greasy on your nose right there? He'd do like this. Yes, he'd be shooting there at the store, and he'd go like this. He'd dig in there and get a lot of grease, or he'd dig in his ear and get some earwax. And he'd put it on his wrist, boy. And I thought that was, man, that's a, that's as Daniel Boone as I've ever seen. Before. Yes, <laughs> yes. Really yes. Was. Licking the side, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, boy, he taking yeah, just like that, and goo it up. I'm like, man, I am not touching your (laughs) red.
1: I'm done working on your bow. Yeah, exactly. T Bone, for everybody watching your uh, nightly series or once a week series, what's the what's the score over there right now for the bow
3: shooting? Oh, Oh, you know we. We we had two guys come down from Gainesville, some buddies of mine. I, I was on the phone with them that afternoon. I said, "Yeah, we're fixing to shoot bows." And he goes, "He goes, uh, well, I didn't get the invite." And I said, "Well, come on, I didn't think he'd come because it's two hours." By gosh, him and two of his buddies jumped in the truck and they were here to shoot that evening. And uh, um, I I, I think him and one of the other guys that wasn't driving they they had they had some beverages on the way down here. <laughs> Man, they were betting like a thousand dollars a shot. We was shooting out here, and I was yeah. like, I mean. There's, I mean, I I done I done made a couple car payments out here, man. I was happy about that, but uh, (laughs) I wasn't going to take it or nothing like that. But by gosh, if he didn't write me a check at the end of the evening, I mean, I made him take it home. But right, we yeah, things got kind of serious. We the last two episodes, just so you know, we've been going to Dollar General and getting little pumpkins and little goblins, you know, like Halloween editions. And we'd shoot, we'd shoot the 3d targets up till it was dark, dark. And then after that, I got this lighted four by four target and we'd let those things dangle on strings and then we'd fill them full of water. And man, for some reason, cause it's hard plastic, they would sound like an explosion when you hit them. <laughs> but we'd be shooting them at them at 30 and 40 yards. And you know, a lot of it's pure luck once you hit one of them. But nonetheless, man, we was all excited. We was giddy like a schoolgirl out here <laughs> just having fun. So now, nah, I mean, you know, everybody's had some good luck and stuff down here. So that's awesome. yeah, we, uh, if, a, if the local archery shop should be should be pretty happy, you know, I don't own an archery shop. I work on stuff, but the local archery shop should be happy because we're taking some shots. At we're, some of the guys are losing a lot of errors, so they're having a big knock. Thank That's God for awesome. lighted knock.
1: Oh, yeah. yes, yes. T-Bone, I appreciate you coming on, taking the time out again this afternoon to be back on the show with us, and, and I'm glad you're in good spirits and everything's going good for you, and I hope your deer season even gets better. And good man, luck I tomorrow night, good. man
3: yeah you guys too man I'll, I'll i'll keep all y'all posted on everything but uh y'all have me back anytime i enjoy it man there ain't nothing like sitting around fire with a bunch of rednecks kicking <laughs> kicking up hunting stories and stuff be glad to anytime well
0: like nick said we're uh we're appreciative of it as always travis it's always fun to get you on and, and nick down at the final spit of the night you know the amazing man behind who is the persona of t-bone shines through in ways we cannot even begin to express our admiration for He's often said when faced with struggles, remember someone in the world is likely worse off than you are. A quote comes to to mind tonight to leave this show on. Someone somewhere is lying in a bed praying to the good Lord they could live the life that you're blessed to live. And as we remember that, we want to remember to remind you to smile as you go, but don't forget to mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base. And the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, When an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404 889 1105 or check their workout on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering? barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need or is your construction site needing a dumpster give our buddy tony at georgia junk and dumpster rental a call with services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs georgia junk is here to help with any and all removal needs if it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside tony and his team can surely assist servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties. Give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short
1: order with Georgia Junk.